Welcome, everyone, to Future Flicks with Billiam, episode 45. This is blockbuster season still, and it's actually quite a big week, even though there's only one big movie coming out. All right, there could be two, depending on how you view kids' movies, but what is the big movie? I think you already know. But what other movies are out, and do they look interesting? Stay tuned and find out. It is the week of June 2nd, and this is Future Flicks with Billiam. All right, everyone, welcome. Welcome back. Welcome to the episode that almost didn't happen. And why didn't it happen? Well, if you are a return listener, you will know that I am suffering from a leg infection. I finished the course of antibiotics, though the leg went edemic, and now I have a soft cast on it, and I've just been feeling poor. I've been feeling not really bad, but just off for a while. So I spent a few days just relaxing. I know if this was 100% up to snarf Chris, he would have told me to take the week off. He always says that health comes first. I gotta look, you gotta look out for yourself first. But you know what? I wanted to do the show. I wanted to do this. I wanted to put out, put this out for you. And also for me, I want to be selfish and put this out because I enjoy doing a show. I really do. So let's start the show off like we normally do with my, with my intro. This is Future Flicks. I am your host, Billiam, so let me give you a little information on what it is I do here, just in case you're new. And if you're new, welcome. And if you're a return listener, thanks for your support. Welcome back to the show. It's good to see ya. On Future Flicks, I go over every movie that's being released during the week. I tell you what it's about, who's in it, and my thoughts on it. I will give the movie a score, which I call the Billiam's Interest Level Score, aka the Bill Score. This score is only based on the trailer and anything I've read on the movie. But let's start this episode with some housekeeping. You can find me on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, YouTube, and Tumblr. The last episode didn't go up on YouTube. I swear it will get up shortly, though I think there's only like two or three listeners on YouTube. So for you guys, I am sorry. I will be better about it from now on. You can reach me on Twitter, BilliamSWN. Email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. And I'm on Instagram, BilliamSWN there as well. And I've actually been better about posting images that are not of my cat. So now is a great time to jump on because I actually have things to post. Until I run out of (laughs) t-shirts. And then I don't know what I'm going to do. So let's move on to our first segment. But but actually, no, let's, let's not. Let me talk about something else first. This episode is going to be half prepared and half off the cuff because I was able to do about half of the notes and then I just couldn't focus anymore. It's just this foggy feeling I have. And so I thought I'll just get to recording. That'll get me pumped. So if halfway through, if you notice a change, that's because that's just me coming up with these things off the top of my head instead of thinking of it, writing notes down and better prepping. Also, Future Flicks has its own shirt now. Check out my Instagram and the link in the show notes to get your very own. And so the link in this Instagram will show my beautiful smiling face wearing a shirt. And also it will show shirts from all of our other shows. So check that out. Buy your very own FutureFlex shirt, your very own somewhat nerdy radio shirt, your very own Nerds of the Squared Circle shirt. And wear them all. Not at the same time, because that would get really hot. But wear them all. If you buy seven of them, you have one for each day of the week. Maybe buy an eighth for laundry day. There we go. 
Boom. Your clothing issues have been solved. You're welcome. You are welcome, listeners, because I have done that. I have done that for you. So when you are being interviewed by someone, because that happens to all of us, right? When you're being interviewed by someone, they say, who are you wearing? You could say, I am wearing a billion piece, not wearing billion like Buffalo Bill would. But no, 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 no. I'm wearing a Future Flix's billion shirt. Let's move on to our first segment, which, as always is the news. For Red Nose Day, Ben Affleck did the Christian Bale Batman voice. It's a funny little scene, 17 seconds long. Link will be in the show notes. Check it out. It will give you a smile. I I really enjoyed it. I watched it a couple times just because the kid in it is adorable and Ben Affleck's comedic timing is pretty good. Next story, according to Slash Film, Edgar Wright has just started recruiting others for a Simon and Garfunkel song title universe. That was a lot of words, wasn't it? Simon and Garfunkel song title universe. What does that mean? Well, as a total coincidence, this year has The Only Boy Living in New York and Baby Driver coming out. Both of these movies' titles are actually also song titles by Simon and Garfunkel. Edgar Wright tweeted interest in seeing if anyone else is down, and a few people spoke up. Ryan Johnson, the director of The Last Jedi, The Brothers Bloom, and Looper said that he'd be down, as well as also Ron Howard spoke up, Lin-Manuel Miranda, and Dwayne Johnson. So far, this is unfortunately only a joke that has sparked some interest, but who knows? Ron Howard is a huge director who can pick and choose his products on a whim, and Ryan Johnson is getting up there as well. We'll see what the future holds, because enough important people liked this idea. Collider has released a list of superhero movies, and their release dates up to the year 2020. I checked out the list and a lot of the stuff, especially the non-Marvel movies, seem tentative as DC, Sony, and Fox tend to put their movies on hold quite a bit due to problems keeping directors, producers, and cast on board. Link to the article will be in the show notes if you're interested, and let me know what you think. Do you think that any of the, especially the 2019-2020 movies, what do you think are the chances of these movies that so far don't even have titles, what are the chances of them actually getting made? Let me know what you think. Another story from Slash Film, Justice League Dark, which is an early, early pre-production, like so early, has lost its director. Doug Lehman has stepped down and Warner Brothers now has their eyes on both Andy Muschietti, director of this year's It, and Damien Znifron, I believe, who's an Argentinian director who hasn't crossed over to Hollywood yet. So will we get to see the likes of Constantine, Zatanna, and Deadman on the silver screen? Time will tell. And the last story is from another slash film source. Netflix released a list of titles leaving their service. More and more movies and shows are leaving our favorite streaming service as the blockbuster killer focuses more on original content. And there are a lot of people torn about this. There's the camp of people who really like what Netflix is putting out, all of their original content, and who think it's great. That one day Netflix will just become a network, just like ABC, CBS, and Fox, but online and not as terrible. And other people signed up for Netflix to basically be blockbuster at home so they can watch these movies whenever they want but now more and more of these movies and shows are leaving the service a few of the huge list of films and shows leaving are as follows honey i shrunk the kids d2 the mighty ducks adventureland this is spinal tap the show and the show's private practice and csi new york and i i'm sorry i i cut the first one out but i'm gonna let this one pass i'm not sure if you can hear that but that is the third plane to pass over my house tonight it's like they're thinking oh well he's trying to record i'm just gonna fly my plane over this house and show off how much money i have and uh 
billion. No, they don't know I exist. They don't listen to the show. They have a plane. I don't know why that means they don't listen to the show. Um, but uh, it's a hot day and I want my damn window open. So this may take longer to record than I thought if people keep on flying over. But back to the news. What do you think? What are your thoughts on this this change in Netflix's programming? Tell me your thoughts. Let's start a conversation. Is their great original programming worth losing all of these classic movies? So Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, The Mighty Ducks, Adventureland, Spinal Tap, maybe aren't movies worth... Okay, Spinal Tap is worth owning. But Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, The Mighty Ducks are great movies from our childhood, but then... Do you really want to go out and buy it? Well, now you will have to if you want to see it. We will see if the mass exoduses from Netflix, of shows leaving Netflix, that is, not, not viewers yet, but if all this change will bring about another streaming service that does get all these things, doesn't focus on original content anymore, and just says, hey, here are all these movies from the past. You can watch them whenever you want. Just give us 10 bucks a month. And with that, that was the last story in this week's news. Let's jump into the trailer trove, which as always, is our second segment. Avast, and welcome to the Trailer Troll. I don't know if this is an official trailer or not, but I watched a trailer for Spider-Man Homecoming that showed Shocker. I liked it up until Spider-Man said pin number in, in the ATM robbery scene. And God, I hate that so much. When people at work ask me if we have an ATM machine, I say, I'm sorry, we don't have a machine that dispenses ATMs, but our ATM, which we do have, is outside. Is that petty of me? Maybe, but those scrubs should get good. If you don't understand what's wrong with pin number and ATM machine, then please stop huffing paint. You need those brain cells. Alright, on to actual trailers. Wind River is a movie starring Jeremy Renner and Elizabeth Olsen. While some people are excited to see Scarlet Witch and Hawkeye together again, this movie looks so dark that you may actually watch The Grey afterwards to watch something lighthearted. It does look good. It kind of has a Fargo but darker feel to it. So we'll see what it looks like when more trailers for this drop. Next in the trove, A Silent Man. A movie about Liam Neeson, <laughs> not about Liam Neeson, a movie with Liam Neeson where he plays J. Edgar Hoover's second in command. The man responsible for reading everything first and deciding what Hoover himself needs to know and what he doesn't. I really hope this is going to be an espionage drama because it's been a while since I've seen a great one of those. If you haven't already seen it, Logan Lucky has a trailer now and it looks like the dumbest movie I just have to see. This looks like Ocean Elevens meets Masterminds and other people have been saying it looks like a redneck Ocean's Eleven. This stars Magic Mike, Kylo Ren, James Bond, and The Winter Soldier, plus Katherine Waterston, Riley Keough, Katie Holmes, and Hilary Swank. The Hitman's Bodyguard has a brand spanking new trailer, and it still looks great. This has Sam Jackson playing Sam Jackson and Ryan Reynolds playing Deadpool, but without the fourth wall breaks. This is going to be the next great action comedy. I, I am waiting for it eagerly. If you didn't know, Netflix is doing a Castlevania cartoon, which you should have known because you listen to Somewhat Nerdy Radio, and it looks really sick. The trailer is out obviously, because I'm talking about it in the trope, and has a release date of July 7th, so that's a little over a month away. So get ready. And now for a trailer from a show I missed last week called The Mayor. This is coming out on ABC, and it's more original than most stuff on network TV. The fact that it's on ABC means it might have a chance. This show stars Brandon Michael Hall, 
Yvette Nicole Brown, and Leah Michelle. It looks like it's going to be a funny show, but you know the fate of original content on network TV. It doesn't last. Thankfully, though, ABC has a better track record with it. And friends, that's it for the trove. So let's get on to the movies. And the first movie this week is called Be Afraid. Dr. John Chambers and his family move into a new house and learn that there was already something living there. John starts to experience sleep paralysis where he's visited by and can see the spirits in his home. He learns that they plan on taking his young son away. The stars Brian Krause from Charmed. Okay, class. Everyone have a seat. Let's sit down. Take out your notebooks and open your page to last week's review, or any week's review, because I do talk about this a lot. What have we learned about moving into an old house? A. Don't. What else have we learned? B. Have the houses haunted? You get the f*** out. Unless it's a haunting by a demon, in which case you're f***ed anyway, so uh, in that case, this doesn't apply. This is just for ghosts. Just for ghosts. Be Afraid is a medium-budget horror movie that has modern horror elements, but an early 2000s horror movie vibe. This isn't low-budget enough to be compared to a school project, as we all know I love to use that comparison, but this feels more like a movie that sat on a shelf for a few decades, and then one day someone found it and decided to release it. This doesn't look bad. It just doesn't look very good. Just like the budget, the quality of the movie floats around the middle point, so not close enough to good for me to tell you to see it, not close enough to bad for you to stay away. I like the idea, but we've seen it a million times before. Some ghosts or demons want a kid, family doesn't move because they're stupid and it all goes to hell. And come on, what's with the title? Be Afraid? What's next? From the creators of Be Afraid comes Scary. If they don't have a sequel plan for this called Be Very Afraid, then I'll be very disappointed. This is a kind of movie that you watch as part of a Halloween movie marathon. You throw it somewhere in the middle so when food shows up, you don't have to pay a lot of attention. You're like, you're noshing on pizza and wings or other good party food. So when that comes, you can nosh it all down and half pay attention to the movie and you won't feel like you've missed a lot. So class, pay attention, let's review. Don't move into old homes. And if your house is haunted, leave. And also, third, I'm going to throw out there, don't watch this movie in theaters. If you're going to watch it at all, save it for home. Be Afraid. It's a 5 out of 11. Next up on this week's list is a movie called Handsome Devil. Ned lives at a boarding school and is picked on because he doesn't love rugby as much as everyone else does. He's forced to share a room with the school's star rugby player and the two form a friendship that causes trouble for both of them. The stars Fionn O'Shea from The Siege of Jotoville and Andrew Scott from Sherlock. This looks like an after-school special that got a theatrical release in some fluke. It looks like the kind of movie that forces character growth and doesn't let anything flow naturally. I could be wrong, of course, but the trailer just spoon-fed me this drama. So as dramatic trailers go, this one did a piss-poor job. This is a basic story that is so basic it's Dead Poet Society, but without the suicide. At least I'm guessing. This is the fox and the hound, but in boarding school. So this is a tale we've heard a million times before. A bunch of movies have been made about this topic, but the worst thing is it looks boring. There's nothing new for this film to offer us. It doesn't even do a good job of retelling an old tale. If there is something new, if there's a new spin, or if at least it looked well done, you know, the same story, nothing changed, but a handsome delivery, that might be different. But this isn't different at all. Handsome Devil gets a two out of 11. Next up is a better looking film. This one 
is called Churchill. This follows Prime Minister Winston Churchill in the 96 hours leading up to D-Day. This stars Brian Cox from The Bourne Identity, Miranda Richardson from Empire of the Sun, and John Slattery from Mad Men. I've always wanted to read a biography about Winston Churchill, but I find most biographies to be mind-numbingly boring. I bring that up because I don't know how accurate this is. So I'm going to judge this, of course, as just a movie, and not for any sort of accuracy. Historical accuracy aside, this is going to be your standard political war drama. If that's your type of movie, then this is going to be your jam. This film shows how much more World War II has to offer in terms of stories. Earlier this year, we had the story of Desmond Doss. Later this year, we'll have Dunkirk. And now we have this. Actually, this week has another movie involving World War II. It takes place after World War II, but uh, we'll get to that when we talk about it. My question is, how flattering of a story is this going to be for Churchill? Brian Cox as Churchill was amazing. It, it looks great. I would never have put him in that role. But he's a good actor and unfortunately never came to my mind when thinking about who would play him. But now that I'm seeing him in it, I can't think of anyone else. So will this be flattering? Because Cox looks like he does a good portrayal. But how will the movie itself show him? Will it be a more honest telling where he's brilliant and helped World War II but was also kind of a jackass? Or is it going to be a 100% lifting up on high this saint that saved us all? And while he did do a lot of good and he was brilliant, we can't sugarcoat everything. This movie would have been perfect for early winter, that time of year where we're more inclined to watch politically or historically charged dramas. Now? Now is not the best time. Of course, that's assuming that they're hoping to make any money in the theaters at all and not banking fully on the post-theater life. And no, the winter isn't only the time for political intrigue, but the summer is blockbusters. It really is. This movie was written by first-time writer and is directed by a TV director. The director is Jonathan Teplitsky, who directed a movie called The Railway Man and did episodes of Broadchurch. And the writer is Alex von Tunzelman, who wrote this. The only other thing he's ever written was one episode of Medici, Masters of Florence. A show I've never heard of, but yeah, I'll check it out. Why not? There has to be a million differences between directing TV and directing feature-length films. I won't begin to try and figure them out, but instead I'll just say that hopefully the people that hired this guy, the hired the director, watched his work on British TV shows and liked what they saw. This is a movie that I'd love to watch one day at home, but even if it was the only movie coming out this week, I would have skipped it in theaters. We have an interesting looking film here, but it doesn't do enough to get me pumped, but it did do enough to catch my attention. Most of the movies about World War II are about the fighting, or about the soldiers, and well, the soldiers did most of the work, almost 100% of the work, let's be honest. But it's interesting to see what happened behind the scenes. And when all of these men were sitting behind these closed doors in these meetings, their decisions affected thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of lives. And that amount of weight, I cannot even imagine having that on your shoulders. When my fiance and I want to go out to dinner and she asks me what I want, I can barely assert myself then because I'm like, oh God, what if she doesn't like it? What if, what if we can't find anything that she likes there? What if it's not that great? God knows I wouldn't be able to do anything that affects more than like 10 people. So let's review because I went on a little bit of a ramble at the end. Let us review. Movie looks good. Looks like it's something to watch later. Just run, not right now in theaters. Churchill gets a 6.5 out of 11. Next up, my friends, is the second World War II movie, well, World War II-esque, as this one takes place after. It's called Past Life. 
After performing in a concert, a singer is approached by an old woman who tells her that her father is a murderer. The woman, her sister, and the son of the old woman start to investigate what happened during World War II, and the ladies find out the truth behind their father's actions. This is an Israeli movie written and directed by Avi Nasher, who I'm not familiar with, but is apparently a big name in Israeli cinema. So I probably should start looking up his movies and watching them. So, so there's that. This movie has this going for it. This movie looks really interesting, and it's going to suffer the same fate as every other foreign film. It's going to be loved by critics and hipsters and film buffs, but will be unknown to anyone else. Why did I sing song part of that? I don't know. Past Life looks like an intense and gripping mystery, but the trailer is actually a little goofy. I can tell they're trying really hard to emulate Trailer Guy and really get us pumped, but some of the scenes they use to represent drama, you could tell, are just meaningless scenes when cut the right way look more dramatic. Someone's looking down the flight of stairs, a dog barking, someone throwing open a thick book, someone slamming a door. Ooh, drama. But will any of these scenes be important in the movie at all? No, but what it does is show us these big, shocking movements, these loud things, these bangs, these barks, and it tries to make us think that, wow, this might be really intense, when while it could be intense, this is mainly going to be a mystery. And not mystery like a murder, maybe a murder mystery, we don't know where this is going, but not a classic murder mystery. This is going to be a mystery where they have to go and look through all these old papers from World War II and find out what their dad did. This is, isn't going to be thrilling. Unless there's some secret Nazis waiting for them and want to stop them from figuring out the truth, unless that's the case, this isn't going to be a thrilling movie. This is going to be a slow-paced drama. And that is fine. But don't you dare, don't you dare, indie trailer guy, or foreign movie trailer guy, I should say, try to get me to believe that a movie like this is going to be any sort of exciting. I am not going to buy it. One thing I read about this movie says that it's based on a memoir for World War II, but I couldn't find the name of it anywhere. And IMDb has Avi Nasher listed as the sole writer, and usually they have a story by credit, like Avi Nasher wrote it, but based on a story by some other dude or lady. I'm not being sexist, anyone can write. So the fact that my Google foo turned up nothing involving any sort of memoir and this movie makes me think that the source was incorrect. But if you, my dear friends, my dear fans, my future fans, if you know anything about a memoir or a book that this movie is, is based on, hit me up. Tell me what's up. Throw a tweet my way. Send me a text. <laughs> not a text. You don't have my number. I'm sorry. We just don't know, don't know each other that well. But hit me up on Twitter. Hit me up on Instagram. Just randomly comment on a random picture I have. Tell me that, okay? But somehow get me that information. If you're looking to broaden your horizons and watch some foreign movies, then put this on your list. It looks like a great example of Israeli cinema. It could be unfair in a way since Nishir is an award-winning director. It could be considered unfair because it's like watching a Kubrick or Scorsese film as your first American movie and realizing that you started with one of the best. This is why I warn people when they first dive into anime that Hayao Miyazaki movies are fantastic. They are on a next level. And if you go into anime watching Hayao Miyazaki movies, you may be disappointed with the rest because they won't compare. There are a lot of great shows out there, but if you start with The Master, anything else looks scrubbed here. So put this movie on your list, but just keep your expectations in check. Past Life gets a 7 out of 11. And next up on the list is a movie called Band-Aid. Anna and Ben are in a failing marriage and nothing is working. One day an idea comes to Anna. 
they should turn all their fights into songs and form a band. Well, duh. With the help of their friend and neighbor, they form that band and start getting gigs. This stars the writer and director herself, Zoe Lister-Jones from Life in Pieces, Adam Pally from The Mindy Project, and Fred Armisen from Portlandia and Saturday Night Live. I want to know what kind of stoned shower thought sparked this movie. What sort of drug, obviously a downer, what sort of drug Zoe Lester-Jones was on when she thought this up? So the couple's like fighting, right? And they like decide to sing out their problems and form a band with their neighbor. And like their neighbor's some dude who just happens to know how to play the drums and they can all play guitar. Man, that'd be a great movie. Something like that. That's what I think happened. That's what I think is the way this movie was born. She is probably talking to a cat because that's how I could see this coming into being. This looks like a cringy indie comedy with jokes drier than powdered beef jerky. If you like Portlandia or any other indie style comedy, this has slow burn jokes and deadpan delivery and it could be up your alley. This isn't the kind of movie where you go to laugh. This is going to be the kind of movie you watch they tell a joke and you sit there thinking to yourself, oh I get it, that's funny, but you don't actually laugh. This film is made for that type of person, in fact. You know you know those type of people. We all know it. I work with a couple of them where you can tell the world's funniest joke and they'll just sit there saying, that's funny. You know those people. You could be killing it like comedy gold and they would barely crack a smile. This is for them. If you actually like comedy, just put this on the back burner until you feel like watching something indie. Actually, you know what? Before I get to the score, there's something else that I that just dawned on me about the trailer. It's a scene where Fred Armisen is, because he's the neighbor, and he can play the drums, and he's playing the drums for them, and he's watching them sing these songs and come up with them and fight, and he just gives a speech about, hey, I had to watch my parents break up, and I couldn't do anything then, so I feel like I'm in this place now. Please don't put me in this place. And it's like, is this really a comedy? It's being sold as a straight-up comedy, but this has drama with a little bit of humor written all over it. This looks really uncomfortable, and if I watch this, I may fast-forward through big chunks just because I may not want to watch certain scenes, because I'll just be sitting there wanting to escape within myself just to get away from what's going on on the screen. So we'll see what the final product is. Band-Aid gets a 5.5 out of 11. And finally, before our break, my friends, we have a movie called Vincent and Roxy. A young man witnesses a woman getting attacked and steps in to help. The two run away together and realize that they can't escape their troubles that easy. This stars Emil Hirsch from Speed Racer, Zoe Kravitz from the Detergent Series, and Zoe Deutsch from Why Him. Oh, it also has rapper Scott Miscuti, known as Kid Cudi in it. Uh, he was in the Need for Speed movie and mainly does a lot of smaller roles, but it looks like he's trying to step up his game. So, you know, good, good for you. The problem with this movie is, once again, it's a story we've heard a million times before. Last year had a movie, I believe it was last year, let me check. <laughs> okay, that's how bad my memory is. March 17th of this year had a movie, if you remember me talking about it, called Mean Dreams. It was Bill Paxson's final movie where two teenagers basically go on the run from bad people. He's one of the bad people, and the bad people chase them. So that, in itself, just that is a idea that's tired, it's been done a million times. So now the question left is, as always, what does this have to offer? What is new? And the new in this, at least from what I can tell, is the fact that Vincent isn't on the up and up. 
It seems like he's hiding something, or is even somehow involved in the bad stuff that's happening to Roxy, so maybe their running into each other wasn't a coincidence. So if that's the case, then this is a little more interesting, but the trailer really didn't do enough to show me that it was going to be different. If the trailer did a little more to show me that this wasn't going to be your standard two people on the run looking for a better life type movie, then I may look on it more favorably. But right now, there's subtle hints dropped in the trailer, but that's not enough to bet on. I am a betting man, which is why I try to stay away from the craps tables in Vegas whenever I go, because I will gladly drop my entire gambling budget for the trip on one night if I don't keep myself in check. So even me as a gambling man would not take a bet on this movie. Maybe I'll watch it later. I This is a type of movie that you should really wait for the reviews to come in, just to see if they hint at something different. This has actors in it who, they're pretty good. I mean, I really haven't seen Emile Hirsch and Zoe Kravitz in enough to say, yes, these are actors that I know I can count on. These are actors I want to see in a movie. Give it a few more years, maybe they'll do more, do more that will stay on someone's radar. That's what's interesting. If they can do a movie that can, that you can remember, so the next time Emile Hirsch is in a movie or Zoe Kravitz is in a movie, you go, oh yeah, they did that one movie back in 2018, which is really fantastic. Maybe I should give this one a shot. But so far, they haven't impressed me in anything. So this does have a familiar story. And if you are a fan of movies like this, then this could be your jam. Otherwise, it's well worth a skip. Vincent and Roxy gets a 5 out of 11. And that, my friends, is it for the first half. And pre-editing, we're already at the 33-minute mark. So this is going to be a pretty long episode just because there's a lot this week. Ten movies. So stay tuned from some words from our friends at both Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle. We'll be back. Imagine yourself on a journey with the somewhat nerdy radio podcast crew as we travel through forgotten realms and far-off galaxies. Your captains, the sensational Snarf Chris and the cunning Critter, constantly face an element of danger. Welcome to the somewhat nerdy radio podcast. The bright light in the podcast sphere. Download and subscribe Somewhat Nerdy Radio today on iTunes and SoundCloud or stream it at somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Hi, I'm Sam Jericho of SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds of the Squared Circle. Join me, Snarf Chris, and the dude with the headband. We talk about wrestling and more wrestling. Do you like wrestling? Yeah! yeah. Then you should listen to our podcast. Do you not like wrestling? You should still listen to our podcast, SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds of the Squared Circle. Subscribe to us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app today. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. And we're back. Welcome back. Were you as productive during the break as I was? I was very productive. I, I sat here and and uh, just kept talking. And I just put in the break afterwards. There's no time for me in between the break. Well, let's start again. Let's start with our next movie called Three Idiotas. A group of friends embark on a fun adventure determined to find a college roommate who disappeared without a trace on graduation day. My friends, are you tired of American remakes of movies? Well, how about a Mexican remake of a movie? This is a remake of a movie, of a Bollywood movie called Three Idiots, or, you know, whatever it is in, in Hindi. But this is apparently a complete remake. Like, they... they 
didn't change much. Now, I've seen a lot of flack coming this movie's way just because this is supposed to be part of the new Mexican cinema wave, but people are upset that they just totally ripped off another movie. And based on early reviews, it didn't even do a good job of it. I think this looks charming. I think it looks like a funny movie that Americans will be very familiar with just because it's kind of like a movie where these young guys get into a lot of hijinks when they're in college, almost like a Van Wilder, or let's even go farther back and say Animal House. But this is a familiar idea. So if you've never seen a foreign movie or you saw a couple but don't really like to see them a lot, maybe check this one out or the original one, Three Idiots, just because maybe you'll like it if you see a familiar story. Myself, you know I don't mind remakes. I don't cry about it like a lot of other people tend to do, but what does bother me about this is that apparently not a lot has changed. They, they didn't try to put their own spin on it, they just recreated it. And if you want to do that, you have to do an exceptional job. Just like Martin Scorsese did with The Departed, you have to really do a good job with presenting it. So same story, you don't change anything, whatever, present it better. This doesn't look like it's presented that well. So if you watch a trailer for this movie, and it interests you at all, then maybe you should check out the original because I know the original is going on my to-watch list. A list that rarely goes down because it's my Bollywood to-watch list, but it's going on the list anyway. If I like that one, maybe I'll watch this one. But for the rest of you, if, if, like I said, if it interests you at all, check out the original. If you happen to come across this one first or you can't find the original and then see this one, maybe check it out. Why not? It can't hurt. Because you won't have the original one to compare it to. This will be the first time you're seeing this story. This looks charming, this looks funny, and this looks familiar. It's going to be a safe bet and worth a shot if you don't mind the fact that it's not the original. Three Idiotas gets a 6 out of 11, but the original Three Idiots gets a 7 out of 11. Give it one more point just because it's original, just because I watch a trailer and it looks good. So check it out. See which one interests you more. Next up is an indie movie that actually looks really good. This one is called Dean. Dean is dealing with the loss of his mother in his own way and it seems to confuse his dad, who's also grieving. Robert, the father, wants to sell the house because it reminds him of his dead wife, while Dean can't imagine his childhood home being sold. Dean takes a trip to L.A. where he meets a woman, but realizes he has to make things right with his father. This stars Dimitri Martin from Important Things with Dimitri Martin, Kevin Kline from In-N-Out, Jillian Jacobs from Community, and Mary Steenburgen from Step Brothers. This movie looks like what Band-Aid could have been. Okay, totally different topics. One's about a struggling marriage, while the other is about dealing with loss. But... But they're both indie comedies, but presented in totally different ways. Band-Aid just seems flat, while Dean realizes that it's really a drama, but has funny moments in it, while Band-Aid can't quite seem to grasp that. This one looks like a heartfelt movie that's going to really tug at your heartstrings, because it's dealing with a, with a man, who I'm assuming is 20, 30-something, losing his mother, which is a terrible age to do that at, and... The father, who's still young, I mean, he's not, he's older, but he's not an old man yet, who's lost his wife. So they have to deal with this, but they both deal in separate ways and can't quite find a way to communicate. So they basically go off and do their own thing and then have to meet back in the middle. While it's going to be based on a sad premise, this is going to be the type of movie where everything's going to be all right. But the question is, 
How does it get all right? Do they both find love or do they learn that they have to move on, that there is more out there in the world? This was written and directed by Dimitri Martin, who knows his way around comedy. His comedy style has always been really dry, really deadpan delivery. So this type of movie is perfect for him. And maybe this is why this works so much better than Band-Aid, because he knows what he's doing. And the rest of the cast really knows her way around comedies too. So maybe Zoe Lister-Jones, the writer-director of Band-Aid, should take a page out of Dimitri Martin's book. Her movie could easily be good. It could still be good and just have been presented poorly in the trailer. But again, as always, going off the trailer alone, Band-Aid looks like it's just going to be really awkward and sad, while Dean realizes it's going to be a drama first with a comedy element in it, and so it's going to be able to deliver those laughs well, but also be self-aware to know that's going to be serious a lot of the time. While Band-Aid tried to sell itself as a highbrow comedy, Dean is honest with us the whole time. That's why I really like this movie, and I really want to see it. This is going on my list of things to watch, but again, say it with me now just not in theaters. Because why? Because we have a big blockbuster coming out this week. If we didn't, if this had come out at another time, I may have tried to see this, but not now. And I repeat myself a lot in, in times like this, but that's just because Hollywood keeps on making the same mistakes. These indie companies keep on making the same mistakes. They would just learn from the errors of their past to be so much better. Of course, some people need to make these mistakes because otherwise in the off season, we're going to be flooded with these movies that would never make it in blockbuster season. So yeah, maybe we have to have these movies come out just so, okay, Band-Aid just comes out at this time and Dean all comes out during blockbuster season. So it gets a theatrical release. So people who want to see it, see it, but then it goes straight to streaming, straight to DVD, straight to Blu-ray, and then more people watch it. But as of right now, Dean looks good. It looks touching. It looks well written, well acted, and well shot. And it looks like it has comedy in it that will make you laugh out loud, but also have those, oh, that's really funny type of laughs in it. So that looks like a well-rounded movie. I highly recommend you checking this out, putting it on your list. Watch the trailer. Do you see what I see? I hope you do. I hope we're on the same page with a lot of these things. Check out the trailer. It looks good. I'm giving Dean a 7 out of 11. We have one movie left before the pick of the week, before the big one. And if you didn't know this movie's coming out, it could be a pleasant surprise to you depending on your age range. That movie is Captain Underpants, the first epic movie. George and Harold are two kids who always seem to get in trouble. One day, they, they decide to hypnotize their principal into thinking he's a ridiculous and incredibly stupid superhero named Captain Underpants. This features the voices of Kevin Hart from The Ride Along, or just Ride Along, Thomas Middletich from Silicon Valley, Ed Helms from The Hangover series, and Nick Kroll from The League. Oh, and of course, Jordan Peele from Keanu and writer-director of Get Out. This was directed by David Soren, who's done a bit of voice acting, but as far as directing, his only other movie that he directed was Turbo. If you remember when the, uh, that one that's about the fast snail, uh, he did some Madagascar shorts, but other than that, Captain Underpants is going to be his biggest one yet. So if you're of the right age, you are a fan of this series, or at least you know about it. Because I'm, like I said before, I'm 33. I have a co-worker who's 37, and he never heard of it. When I was talking about what's coming out during the week, he said, what? He had no idea about this. Another one of my co-workers said, oh, you don't know Captain Underpants? And he's about 26, that one who said that. So if you're, if you're younger than me, you probably know this. Whether or not you're a fan, that's something else. But it was, it's... 
it was inescapable for people of a certain age because it was the huge line of kids books and it's still kind of big it may not be the biggest one anymore but it's still a big series that sells a lot of copies this looks good the the animation style looks silly but of course it emulates the animation style of the book really well animation style you know just the, the pictures in the book really well the voices are what i expected just by looking at the pictures that is but let's not forget that first and foremost this is a kids book or a kids movie that is still a kids book but first and foremost this is a movie for kids the studio i bet you are also banking on the fact that fans of the series who are adults now are still going to see it. And I would. One of my favorite book series growing up was Benicula, about the vampire rabbit and Howie and his friends. Howie was a dog and there was a dachshund and a, and a cat, I believe. And if they made a movie about that, I would see it just because I love that series. It may not be very good, but I would watch it. This has that same thing going on, where there are huge fans of the series who maybe have not picked up the books in the better part of a decade, but still love it and thus we'll see it or maybe they even have kids of their own and we'll take their kids to see it and they can bond over something go hey you love this movie i love the books let's read the books together let's do some parent child bonding all right this is going to be an animated movie that's going to be able to be enjoyed by people of all ages it's going to be funny and generic and just good enough that a parent won't be bored out of their minds but a kid will be really entertained this is actually rated PG, so it's going to be a little more crude than, say, a Disney movie would be. Even though a lot of Disney movies are secretly really dirty. Captain Underpants is going to be a fun movie. Maybe not totally memorable, but it's at least going to be fun. And if you want to take your kids out to see a movie, this is going to be it. It is PG, but I think if a kid is old enough to get a movie like Zootopia, then they should be able to get this too. I really don't have much more to say about this because it does look entertaining. And if I watch it, I bet you I'll really enjoy it. But I don't have any attachment to this character. I've never read the books and I know nothing about the story. I'll watch this someday, but I don't, like I said before, I don't have kids and I don't have any reason to go out of my way to see an animated movie that I'm not that interested in. So that's why this isn't my pick of the week, even though it looks pretty good. If you have a family and you have kids and you think they might enjoy this, then go out for a good night of entertainment, dinner, movie, all that jazz. It might be fun. Other than that, check out the next movie. Captain Underpants, the first epic movie, gets an 8 out of 11. And with that, my friends, it is time for my pick of the week, which we all know is Wonder Woman. Diana, princess of the Amazons, has trained her entire life to be a warrior. A pilot crashes off the shores of her little island, and that's when she discovers the outside world is in a war. She leaves her island, maybe never able to come back, to help humanity win that war. This stars Gal Gadot, who of course first played Wonder Woman in Batman v Superman, stars, also stars Chris Pine from Star Trek, and Robin Wright from House of Cards. Also from The Princess Bride, but House of Cards is more recent. Though, Princess Bride is always a classic. So yeah, Robin Wright from Princess Bride. There we go. Sounds better. This movie has gone through a lot, and I'm not even talking about the production process. I'm talking about how much people have been talking about it. The court of public opinion has been back and forth on this. At first, this was going to be the first DC movie that was going to really kill it, and then people were saying, no, the... the movie's gonna be garbage the on-set environment is poisonous this is gonna be an awful movie then saying oh no but someone else took over this is gonna be better then nope it's actually gonna be garbage back and forth back and forth back and forth but guess what 
all the trailers look great, but let's not be fooled though, let's not be fooled, it could be Trailer Guy working his evil magic. And why did I say evil magic? Here's why I say evil magic, is because Trailer Guy will do his job no matter what. So if a movie is garbage, he will still make it look great, and that fools us. So we sit back, and we see this movie coming out, we go, wow, this looks really good, this is going to be a fantastic movie, we go and see it, and oh my god, it looks like garbage. Trailer Guy worked his wonders on Alien Covenant, which I never did write that review for because I'm a horrible human being, and that was a very mediocre movie. He's done it for the other DC movies, which weren't terrible, but they weren't as good as the trailers made them look. But now, more and more people are saying this is going to be good. Even the a-holes at Metacritic have it as a 79, I believe. It is certified fresh from the collection of gaping a**holes that is Rotten Tomatoes. IMDb has it in an 8.4 out of 10, and Google users which I didn't even know was a rating system, but apparently it is. Google users have it at a 93. So by God in heaven, has DC done it? Have they broken their curse of mediocre at best movies? Because let's face it, Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, Man of Steel, Suicide Squad, movies that I did enjoy. I like those movies, but I just like them because they were fun. They could have been so much better, and the only reason that I own them is because they were fun enough to warrant it. But finally, it looks like they have done it. One of the reasons I'm really stoked for this movie is who the villain is, and I don't want to say who, just because I'm on the IMDb page now, and the person playing the role that I know is playing the role of the villain doesn't have the character's name listed as that villain. Though I've read articles, I've seen articles in magazines and online talking about who this villain is, but it's not, they've never shown this person in the trailer. And if they did, the person was in a disguise. So if you know who the villain is, then you may know why I'm excited, because that is an exciting villain for the first movie. I was afraid that they were going to pull a Captain America, but not have the benefit of a villain like the Red Skull. And by Captain America, or bringing that up, I mean the fact that it's going to be an older movie, so it's going to be a World War II movie, but it's not going, it wouldn't have a big villain. I thought they're going to to pick up a smaller villain, someone from the comics that they mentioned like once or twice, or maybe has a reoccurring role, but is just basically nobody, and have that person be the bad guy just to be the first one that Wonder Woman fights. But no, they are they are hitting hard with a big one. But don't worry, that wasn't a giveaway because Wonder Woman has quite a few really good bad guys to fight. So it looks like Wonder Woman did what Guardians of the Galaxy 2 did, and have the trailer trick us into who the real bad guy is. Like, here's our trailer. Here's our here's us hinting at who the bad guy is. Guess what? You're completely wrong. Out of left field. Okay, maybe for Guardians, it wasn't out of left field, but they just did a really good job of setting up a patsy. And Wonder Woman, it looks like, is doing the same thing. This movie has good actors in it, though I think Chris Pine agreed to do this role because there's no way he's going to be in the later movies. Because the next one the Wonder Woman's going to be in is, of course, Justice League, which is going to take place in modern time, while this one took place in World War II. So either Steve is going to be dead, or he's going to be really old and probably not played by Chris Pine. Or I could be completely wrong, which, as we all know, is always possible. I could be wrong, and all these people who wrote articles could be wrong, because the main bad guy could be someone else other than who I think it is, and this character is actually just there to be a setup for the next one. Who knows? But this movie already has controversy surrounding it, because if you didn't know, there was a, a theater in Texas who's going to have a couple of w women-only screenings. And of course, people got angry about this. And actually, quite a few people have asked me what I thought about that. So I'm going to make a statement right here, and I'm going to say definitively, I don't give a flying sh Oh no, a woman-only screening. It's sexist towards men. Shut the f*** 
up. If they were doing that for the entire run, like this theater was saying only women can see this movie, yeah, then get angry. Because maybe you won't get to see it at your favorite theater. But as far as I know, it's just going to be a few showings. And why not? Who cares this doesn't matter i've heard the argument saying that yeah but if uh if we did a you know man male only showing there'd be an outrage well of course there'd be an outrage the world isn't fair social justice warriors aren't fair but what i'm saying is now is our time to say okay okay whatever woman only showing fine it shouldn't be a big deal it really shouldn't and the fact that so many people are getting angry about this just makes me shake my head but back to wonder woman the movie this looks good it looks like it's going to be your typical dc movie where it's going to, God, you know, it looks different. All of these DC movies look different from the Marvel ones. It's the style they shoot it in. No matter who the director is, it's just shot a certain way. All the Iron Mans, all the Captain Americas, all the Avengers, the Guardians of the Galaxy have one look, and all of these movies, all these DC movies look different. You can watch a movie, they could make it, they could invent a new hero. And not plaster the ty- the company name all over it. And if they release it, and if you watch this movie, just from the way it's shot, you should know who it is. You should know which company owns it. DC movies are darker. They're saturated in color, just like the just like the Marvel movies are, but it's all of a darker hue. But that being said, I don't prefer one shooting style to the other, or one pre- presentation to the other. They're both cool. So this movie is shot well. It's presented well. It has good actors. It looks like it's written well. This looks like they're finally going to do it and then DC is going to get out of their mediocre slump and show us that the future for them is bright. That Warner Brothers finally got out of the way of DC just like Disney gets out of the way of Marvel and let them do their thing. So we will see if Jeff Johns knows what he's doing. The director they chose for this is Patty Jenkins, who's actually a rookie when it comes to movies. Most of what she's done is TV. She's done some episodes of Arrested Development, Entourage, The Killing, and Betrayal. And this is only her second feature-length film. The other one she did was Monster, which was that movie back in 2003 with Charlize Theron and Christina Ricci. Maybe they picked her for a reason. I read a lot of articles before this movie came out, well well before the movie came out, about why choosing a woman to direct this was a good idea. And look, I really don't care. I don't care who the director was. I don't care. Okay, that's not true. I care who the director is. I just don't care what gender they are. I don't give a Pick someone good. That's all I care about. If you want to watch this movie for some, you know, feminist reason, like, yeah, woman power, good for you. Honestly, truly good for you. Do that. When I watch this movie, I just want to see an awesome movie. I just want to see Wonder Woman kicking ass. So whatever your reason is, whether it be some social justice reason, whether it be just that you want to see a great action movie, whether you're a fan of the series, it doesn't matter. Check this out. This is the movie to see this week. Gal Gadot is amazing as Wonder Woman. She's just a great actress, but she was the perfect pick for Wonder Woman. And that's something that both Marvel and DC have done really well, was pick the perfect actors. So check out Wonder Woman. It's what I'm going to see this Friday. Wonder Woman gets an 11 out of 11. And that was it. That was my pick of the week, the final movie of the week. And now it's time for the question of the week to see how many times I can say week this week. Week. All right. So if you don't remember, last week's question of the week, God, I'm saying it more. Last week's question of the week was what movie has your favorite classical score? And for the first time ever, for the first time in Future Flicks history, we have an answer that came from a source other than either one of my friends or from somewhat nerdy or watch your mouth. Though, truly, uh, 
to all my somewhat nerdy friends and the watch mouth friends, I do appreciate your answers. But this is kind of momentous for me that the, this is the first person who's not affiliated with any of us to respond. So Brian writes in and he says, My first thought as to best classical soundtrack was Kubrick's 2001 A Space Odyssey, which is a fantastic choice. But then I thought, no, A Clockwork Orange, another fantastic choice. And then I thought, any Kubrick movie. And that is a great answer. 2001 A Space Odyssey is a great choice because it has a lot of wonderful classical pieces that were already established. The Clockwork Orange had Wendy Carlos, and no, I didn't just pull that off the top of my head. I actually took a quick pause and Googled it. Rachel Elkin did The si The Shining, but I think Kubrick was really good at picking the right people. He knew exactly what he wanted, and he knew who could do it. Another answer I got is from my best friend AJ, who said Chocolat, which is a fantastic movie if you've never seen it. It's from 2000, starring Juliette Binoche, Judi Dench, Alfred Molina, and Johnny Depp. I asked the Uncorked Gamers, and they didn't have one specific answer, and I'm, I'm sorry guys, if you did, I forgot. I was tired and I forgot to write it down. But uh, Vegan Dan, anything he, he said, anything he thought of, he, was, uh, he would think, oh no, that's from a video game. And video games do have amazing music. Mass Effect, the first Mass Effect series, not Andromeda, though Andromeda had good music. The first Mass Effect series had songs by Clint Manzel, I believe this guy's name, and Mass Effect 3 has one of my favorite classical pieces of all time. The song is called An End Once and For All, and it just, I, I tried listening to it just now, just now, and I got really emotional just because I remember everything I held on to through that series and all the feelings at the end, like all the years of playing the Mass Effect games and hours and hours put into them, and then getting to that ending and just the emotional toll it took at you and then it hits you it hits you with that score that amazing score and just knocks you flat and as for my answer even though i just talked about mass effect 3 it's not a movie so my answer is i'm going to be a cheap and do two of them uh, my first pick is the theme from princess mononoke this is a anime by or an anime by hayao miyazaki i believe his best and it has my favorite classical score ever But then another one came into my mind that I just knew I had to talk about. And while movies like Star Wars, The Godfather, those are going to be up there. Of course, those are great, amazing scores. Like Gladiator, Inception had these great scores. But the one that I always go back to is Star Trek First Contact and the main theme. And if you haven't seen it, even if you're not a fan of, like, a big fan of Star Trek, check out Star Trek First Contact. It is not just a great Star Trek movie. It is a fantastic movie through and through. But as for now, that is it for this week. So let me leave you with the question of the week. And, and I've had some comments that some of the questions are hard to answer. So in my defense, some of them could be answered with a little Google foo. But this question is going to be something that I've heard talked about on a few podcasts I listened to. I believe Somewhat Nerdy talked about this and Watch Your Mouth talked about this. And, ow, wow, the Uncorked Gamers too talked about this. Or maybe we didn't talk about it on the show. Maybe we talked about it after we're done recording. But anyway, here's the question. Which comic book do you really want to see a movie made out of? So if, you, if they've already done it or if it's planned in the coming years... 
you can't use that as your answer. This has to be one that either you don't think will ever get made or is right now not on the list. And it doesn't have to be superhero per se. You could do, if you wanted to say Archie, you could say Archie, even though Riverdale is a TV show, but any comic book. What would you love to see on the silver screen? And for the sake of argument, let's just say they're going to do a great job of it. So what comic book or comic book character would you love to see in a movie? Well, my friends, that is it for this week. I'm sorry for the late episode. I am getting the cast off on Friday, so yay for that. I've, I've finished my medication for the, for the edema and the affection, so hopefully I'll be back to tip-top shape and I will no longer be super foggy-headed anymore. So mm, there we go. Let, let's hope for that. So let's end it with the housekeeping. You can find me on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, YouTube, Tumblr, and any podcast listening app, as well as the Somewhat Nerdy website. That's somewhatnerdy.com. I'd really appreciate it if you take a few minutes out of your day to give the podcast a rating. I would love five stars. Leave a comment. Tell me what you liked. Tell me what you think I need to improve on. And how do you reach me? Great question. Leave a comment for me on the Somewhat Nerdy website or the Facebook page. Leave a comment on SoundCloud. Hit me up on Twitter, BilliamSWN, Instagram, Tumblr, BilliamSWN there as well. And email me at billionreviews at gmail.com. And you can hit me up about anything. It doesn't have to be the question of the week. You can hit me about up about anything. Just ask me questions. I will answer. Be sure to check out Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle, also on the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. And please don't forget our good friends at the Watch Your Mouth Podcast, a fantastic swearity, which uh, they are on a week break right now, and I, I hate it because I need my weekly episode. I really don't know what to do my, with myself because Somewhat Nerdy Radio is bi-weekly, which I, okay, I understand why you guys do that, but I, I would like more. I would like more episodes. But at least I have Nerds of the Squared Circle, which is weekly to, to keep me entertained. And also check out The Uncorked Gamers, a weekly podcast about gaming that I am a part of off and on. I will keep on going back as long as they will have me back. And finally, my dear friends, my dear, dear listeners, my future fans, Please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billiam from Somewhat Nerdy, signing off. I'll see you in the future.